the regular meeting of the Louisville Metro Board of Zoning Adjustment. Audio, yeah, yeah, yeah. To hear cases as advertised and docketed for hearing today. In accordance with KRS Chapter 61, this meeting is being conducted by live video teleconference. Members of the public were informed of the option of viewing and participating virtually or in person at the old jail auditorium located at 514 West Liberty Street. Public notice has been provided and materials have been available for review by the public. The following rules are in place for today's meeting. Please silence all cell phones. Please be courteous and respectful to the board and your fellow citizens. Agendas and staff reports are located near the entry of the auditorium or on louisville.legistar.com. For those participating virtually, chat messages are not part of the record and are not monitored by all members. Please refrain from sending messages to the panel. If you have any questions, you may send messages to the host. Today's proceedings are being recorded. Anyone wishing to address the board must do so from the podium or virtually. Members of the staff have inspected each of the sites which will be the subject of hearings today. There are time limits in effect for today's meeting. An accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all those in support of the request. An accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all those in opposition to the request and an accumulative time limit of 15 minutes shall be granted to all interested parties neutral to the request. The applicant shall be given a five minute rebuttal. The staff report and other presentations are part of the official record. If you plan on speaking, please fill out a speaker's form as soon as possible. Those participating virtually must submit an online speaker's form or notify the host or case manager in advance. Priority shall be given to speaker cards in the order that they are received. Only those who have completed the speaker's form will be allowed to speak. Ready for roll call. Horton. Here. Leanhard. Here. Ford. Present. Howard. Present. Bozos. Here. Bond. Present. I'd like to ask the staff to stand so that I can swear you in. Raise your right hands. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Thank you. Next item on the agenda members is approval of the minutes of the Louisville Metro Board of Zoning Adjustment dated October 16th, 2023. Everyone should have had an opportunity to take a look at the minutes. Are there any revisions or corrections? Hearing none, I'm ready for a motion to approve the minutes. Madam Chair, this is Member Vozos. I'd like to make a motion. Move that we approve the minutes from the meeting October 16th, 2023, as written. Is there a second? Second. Second, Horton. Okay. All right. We're ready for vote. Horton? Yes. Leanhart? Abstain. Vozos? Yes. Ford? 
Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The minutes are approved. We'll now move into the public hearing portion of the agenda. The first item is 18 CUP 1172 conditional use permit revocation hearing. The case manager is Mr. Haberman. Okay, so I'll go over generally what um, is going on with the next four cases because it's kind of true for each of them. Then we can jump into the details of each as we call them. But certainly. So what has happened here is after the new ordinance was passed by Metro Council, staff went and did a full audit of all the conditional use permits for short-term rentals that had been granted and determined how many of them had lapsing issues as defined in the ordinance. So just to take a step back, the original short-term rental ordinance was adopted in 2016, and it didn't have this requirement. So council revisited that ordinance several times, and in 2019, they made several changes, including the addition of two new kind of timing requirements um, that applicants had to meet or their conditional use became null and void. So the first is you had 30 days to apply for your initial license. If you failed to do that, your conditional use became null and void. The second was if you met that requirement, you couldn't let the license lapse for more than six months. And there's two ways that a license can expire. The first is it's only good for a year. It's an annual license, so it expires naturally at the end of a year. The second way it can expire earlier than that is if there was a change of ownership or host, then it automatically expires the day that that ownership um, changes or the host ceases to be involved. So that is what we're looking at today. So the first case is related to 2808 Yorkshire Boulevard, and I can pull up some documentation, but in general, with this particular one, the conditional use permit was granted in um, May of 2019. So the effective date of the new requirement or the requirement that was new at that time was May 8, 2019. So this CUP was granted on May 20th of 2019, and it had the six-month requirement as documented in the minutes of approval. When we reviewed the history for this particular case, they had submitted a license application, but it was submitted before the CUP, which was common. Usually people would submit the license and find out they needed a CUP. So we can assume that that was issued right after the conditional use permit, although that's not noted in the system. That would have expired in sometime in 2020 then. And since then, we don't have any licensing applications on file. So with that, um, staff finds that it failed to meet criteria L, which is provided in the letter, which I will read. Um, and it's also in the minutes of approval for that case. An active registration for the short-term rental as required by Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances shall be maintained. No short-term rentals shall or may uh, correction, take place unless the registration is active and in the name of the current host and property owner. 
the registration is not renewed and lapses for six months or in the event of a change of ownership and or host, a new registration is not issued within six months of the date of the change, the conditional use shall become null and void. In order to recommend short-term rentals, a new conditional use permit must be granted if required by the land development code. So with that, um, they failed to meet that requirement. Um, we can hear from the applicant today. I believe they're here to explain, uh, you know, why that may have happened. And then you can make a decision whether or not to revoke the conditional use. Because I would, just taking a step back, the reason why the ordinance says it becomes null and void, which effectively means we can't issue a registration, is because the only way a conditional use can be revoked is by the board. So it would take a vote of the board um, to revoke. The conditions that you read, um, the six month requirement uh, is reflected in the minutes. Yeah, and just to be case. clear, you can, uh, any conditional use, not just a short term rental can be revoked um, for failure to meet a condition, um, which is placed on each approval on a case by case uh, basis by the board or a provision. This is technically a provision of the ordinance. So it's a little bit stronger than a condition because it applies to all conditional uses unless it's waived by the board. Okay, thank you. Please, yes. I'm, I wanna be, I just got this clarify in my head. The no, the item L was in the staff report and uh, part of the, the applicant's agreement to do things correctly at the hearing, correct? If, With this particular one, the staff report wasn't, I did not see a staff report for that May 20th meeting in the file, but it was in the minutes of approval. So I'm just being transparent. I can't say if it was in the staff report okay, or not it, because it wasn't in the file. But it wasn't, but item L was in the minutes. Yes. Thank and you. The ordinance was effective on the date of the hearing. Thank you. Were we posting information on Legistar back in 2019? Yes. Minutes posted yes. on Legislar. Legislar. Okay. Thank you. Madam Chair, I have a I have a question. Yes. If I may. Are there any active enforcements or have there been any complaints or any kind of um, issues of I don't know, any issues regarding this address or this case? I don't see any zoning enforcement complaints that have been opened over this case. Okay. Or this address. Thank you. Question. Yes. Um, Joe, uh, clarify for me here, being the newer guy here. Uh, it's thirty days to register, and there's a lapse. If there's a, there's a lapse of six months, you've violated it. Uh, what is the requirement to register annually? Yes, and Metro Code there is a requirement that you have to annually register your short-term rental, regardless of whether or not you need the conditional use permit. It's an addition. Okay, thank you. I thought I saw the annual. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Any other questions? Mr. Haberman, is there any other information about this specific case? Number one on the agenda that you want to share with the board? 
I don't have anything else to share. I mean, I can bring up the documents on the screen if the board needs to see them, things like the minutes and the file um, or what the licensing is in our permitting software, Excella. But I, I can show that if you need to see it. And we all, we have hard copies of the minutes. You should, yes. Yeah, we do. We do. Thank you. All right. We have a speaker card. I have a speaker card for David Snyder. Mr. Snyder, would you approach the podium? How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Would you raise your right hand? Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give, to give today is the truth? Yeah. Name and address, please. Uh, the address of our property or my mailing address or? It would be your, pardon me? His address. Your address. My mail, my residence is uh, David Your Snyder. residence, my, your residence. David Snyder, 4413 Mansfield Estates Drive, Louisville, Kentucky, 40299. I believe I put my mailing address on that form. Okay. All right, please proceed with your testimony. Yes. <clears throat> uh, good afternoon and thank you for allowing me to speak. My name is David Snyder and my wife's name is Olga. I've lived in Louisville for my entire life and my wife since she was nine years old. We've been operating a short-term rental since 2019. We take pride in not only taking care of our tenants, but also in being an asset to our neighborhood and constantly improving our property. We have multiple neighbors who would agree with that statement. I am aware that I have failed to file a registration form for the property, and I acknowledge that today and make no excuses for it. All I can tell you is that every other request made of us has been honored. We have diligently complied with all of our registrations and tax filings and have done so in good faith. I can assure you that had we been aware of this registration requirement, we would have done the same. Uh, we humbly ask that you reinstate our permit so that we can continue running us in good faith and being an advocate to our neighborhood. And thank you for your time. Mr. Snyder, are you saying you were unaware of Correct. the requirement to register in a year? Yes, ma'am. To renew your registration, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay. First, I was heard of it when I received an email saying I was, when I received an email, uh, gonna be, uh, I guess Mr. Hammond's staff was going to consider terminating our license. Is that right? That's, that's the first yes. time I'm aware of it. The and, conditional use permit. Yes, yes. ma'am. Mm -hmm. All right. Did you see the minutes or the uh, the meeting where your case was originally discussed? I didn't, but I accept the fact that what you just said earlier is I I guess I just did what I didn't write it take a good enough notes or what I we've done everything else. We file our taxes. We used to do fill out a form every month with the city and send them before Airbnb started sending the taxes that were required monthly. I used to fill that out every month and submit that and pay that. We've we run four businesses and we've never been late on any of our taxes or renewing our LLCs or registering with the Department of Revenue, the state of Kentucky, the IRS. I I don't have I I wasn't aware of it. I had no knowledge of it whatsoever. I don't have a defense. <laughs> Failed to do something. I just wasn't aware of it. Thank you. We appreciate your candor. Um, Members, any questions for Mr. Snyder? 
Member Vozos, I just have a quick question. So this was registered initially in May of 2019 or within 30 days of that? That sounds right, sir. Okay. So that's the only registration you you had ever submitted. You didn't do it in 2020 or 2021 or 2022? I'm almost certain we did not. Okay. Huh. So, I don't know. Is that is there like a penalty or is there a fee? <laughs> How is this enforced and and whatnot if, if uh, you know, it's not paid each year. I'm just curious, I guess. Frankly, it's enforced. This is um, how it's enforced. Okay. We never carried out any audits before because with short-term rental, what you see is a lot of people come and go. So there'll be some people that do it. It's not uncommon for them to stop doing it or come back to it later. So just somebody not getting a new license isn't necessarily a red flag for us to look into it. Right. The reason why we did a full audit this time was because um, it and it was starting to impact other people's ability to get conditional use permits because of the 600 foot rule. So we decided to take a look at all of our conditional use applications and determine who wasn't in compliance anymore. Okay. But we could have done this earlier. We could have done this back in he submitted the registration in November of 2018, so before he got his CUP. So I presume that that was issued on May 20th, 19, which was the day he got his conditional use permit. That would have meant it expired on May 19, 2020, so about three years ago. At any time, we could have done this. And if an enforcement complaint would have been submitted, right. then we probably would have been here at an earlier okay. point, but there wasn't okay. one submitted. Right. I understand. So you've been operating this as a Airbnb and I assume business is good and all that. Do you have any other Airbnbs in town? Uh, just, just this one, sir. Okay. Yes. And uh, we have a hybrid model. We had uh, long-term tenants for about two years um, and then they left and then we went back to, you know, someone were to come today and offer us a six month deal, we'd do it or, you know, a week at a time. He needs kind to talk into the mic. All right. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid model. We just, uh, you know, wh whoever comes along, some people run it for a couple of days for a concert. Some folks stay longer than 30 days. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what comes and what is a good fit for our property. Okay. Great. Thank you. So I have a question. So, um, the conditions of approval are usually read out as far as the additional uh, provisions that are set forth when we end our, um, meeting and we usually remind that you have your 30 days to register once you're approved and then um, part of the uh, conditions of approval is um, usually uh, pretty forthcoming as far as that you you need to uh, maintain your registration and ownership and you're just that just once you left here and you filed you just out of sight, out of mind, or I can't. Just... I can't answer that. All I can acknowledge is that I failed to do it. I didn't deliberately not do it. I think I've established good faith with all the other filings and taxes that we filed. And if you look at our property's feedback, it's a you know high feedback. We never had a complaint with the city or from any of our neighbors. So I I can't. I I just I, it, it slipped my mind. Um, I know this isn't a defense, but I never received one email, phone call, letter, or anything to telling me that I needed to file that outside of that in four years. So I can right. assure you, 
Thank I can you. assure you, given the chance to continue, I will certainly file that going forward. I, I, I have no, no answer other than I didn't deli deliberately not file it. I don't believe that I think there is a requirement to send an email or a notification, uh, you know, a reminder. I understand it's my responsibility and I failed to do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Oh, um, uh, go ahead. Madam Chair. Uh, just uh, to clarify, you said um, you had a hybrid um, BRBO or Airbnb. And, yes, sir. And is, is that in addition to this CUP or do you just have one? No, it's just our one property. Just sir. that one property. Yes, sir. That's how you operate that. Yes, sir. That one property. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Madam Chair, my question is to staff. Um, do the applicants receive copies of the Board of Zoning Adjustment minutes when their cases are approved? Or are they, oh, let me put it this way, do, does the planning staff send copies of approved, minutes of approved, well, approved or denial cases to the applicants? At this time, I don't know if we sent the minutes, but the staff report should have been provided in advance and the minutes and the staff report would have both been published on Legistar and we do advise anybody applicant or the members of the public that might be interested in the case to, to find that information there. But I don't know if we formally send minutes um, to applicants in 2019, I, but they were made available. And that is your written approval, is the minutes. Okay, members, any, any other questions for Mr. Snyder? Don't believe so. Thank you, Mr. Snyder. Thank you. Don't, I don't believe I have any other speaker cards for this case. Joe, so as we go forward, if there's any speaker cards that you receive online, let us know. All right, um, if there's no one else signed up to speak, I'll close the public hearing and we'll go into deliberation on the revocation hearing for the short-term rental CUP at Yorkshire Boulevard. Members, your thoughts. So I'll start. Um, you know, what we've heard today is, um, you know, Mr. Snyder being very forthcoming about um, the fact that he did not file the, um, the paperwork, the documentation to renew the short-term rental. He's met other requirements, but he did not meet this requirement. And uh, there was no, granted, there was no notification, no reminder from the staff that is not a requirement, um, but the information was publicly available on Legistar. Um, the minutes, staff report, it's my understanding the minutes and the staff report were available on Legistar for the public, including the applicant to see. So, um, yeah, my concern would be that that information was readily available, that there has been um, a significant amount of time since the CUP was approved until today and no renewal of that conditional use permit. So um, any other 
comments or discussion? Well, I, um, he hasn't had any violations and he, uh, states that he's paid his taxes and that he's, uh, has ran his rentals, um, through the law and that he hasn't had any, uh, issues except for the fact of failing to renew. It's been four years expired, however. So, um, this is a new situation for us. So I'm, I'm kind of torn on how to actually proceed with this. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Chairman Bonner, I'm also a little torn about this because by 2019, we were very much, I'm sure, reminding applicants of the 30-day registration and also of the uh, annual registration because I, I remember always, or at least almost always, I'll say 99% of the time, reminding applicants or asking if they read the staff report, did they understand those items about registration? So I, I'm having trouble finding it hard to believe that the applicant didn't understand. On that note, uh, Joan, I just had a quick discussion. I just want to clarify, Joe, was this the first meeting uh, after the sort of 2019 rules came into place or one of the first couple? It is my memory and I'm fairly certain just in case I'm not um, right. It was the very first meeting and we had a discussion about the effective date of this ordinance and um, who it would apply to and who it wouldn't apply to. And it was decided that it, the rules applied to anybody who had not been docketed as of the effective date of the ordinance. So the ordinance was effective on May 8, 2019. And I think we did have one BOZA where people weren't subject to the rules after May 8th because they had already been put on an agenda. And it was determined that they would be subject to the previous rules. But I remember it being very clear that all applications after that would be subject to the new rules. So this is one of, if not the sort of oldest case this board might see um, on this matter. I don't know if that, if that weighs one direction or the other. Um, you know, maybe that, that first meeting means the board was very sort of stringent and really clear about what their new requirements were. Maybe it means we didn't have our ducks all quiet in a row yet and this one kind of slipped through. I, I honestly couldn't tell you, but um, you know, this is the only 18 CUP case on the agenda today. It is the oldest one. So I, I think that's worth noting in either direction. I, um, I just know that that was, is one of the things that we try to always end it with is the conditions of approval and reminding that they have 30 days and that they, um, that they understand the rules and that they have read item L. Also usually item J as well, but so it, it's hard to say. Okay, Madam Chair, with this request today though, what, what are we to look, what are we to act on? What we are to act on is um, 
is whether to revoke the condi conditional use permit. That's the action before the board. Uh, and that's based on the information that, that we have been provided by staff, based on the testimony by Mr. Snyder, um, and considering the minutes that we have been provided from the May 20th, 2019 meeting. So based on the information that we have been provided, uh, we need to decide whether the revocation is appropriate, Re revocation of the CUP is appropriate in this case. Madam Chair? Yes. Just a comment, um, as the newest on the board here, um, I'm wondering if it, what kind of a precedent this would set for the board. We've looked at kind of some precedents on other issues. If we if we allow this and you look at it on paper, um, if someone forgets to file or doesn't know that they're supposed to file, what kind of a judgment would uh, protocol is that for the future? Anyone else that says, well, I don't remember or I didn't file or I should have filed. And if it's not six months or six days, this is four years. Uh, how would we approach that at the next one? Oh. And that's a very good question. And, um, you know, the attorney uh, may want to weigh in on that. I know that each case stands on its own merits. Uh, there are particulars related to each case. Um, however, if the decision is that no paperwork was filed, then for this because and there were no excuses offered by the applicant um you know it to his favor there were no excuses offered um, but if the information has been provided to the applicant and others come before us with the same situation then i would think that uh, that's something that we would have to consider even though each case stands on its own merits is that correct yeah, generally that's a good summary. Um, I mean, every every case is based on its individual facts. I imagine that most cases that we see of these is going to be folks saying, I didn't know it was required or I forgot. Um, I, don't, I don't think many people are going to get up and say, I knew it was required and I didn't do it because I didn't feel like it. You know, um, So I, I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of flagrant intentional violations for these. Um, and so, you know, cases where revocations don't occur, um, should have some sort of reasoning why it's inappropriate, right? Um, some sort of unique circumstance or error on the part of staff or, or Metro or some, you know, particular um, excuse or rationale. Um, I assume that that's it apart from just, a, well, I, I didn't know and I didn't do it in theory. I understand what, what member Horton is saying and and it is uh you know I, I thought the same thing as if okay so he wasn't aware or he forgot or he didn't really realize that that was something he needed to do but he had done all the other things that was uh you know required to uh keep his property in good standing um it, it's I'm losing my thought what what I was saying, but 
it's hard. It's, you know, if each person, if you, if you admit and say, okay, okay, well, we'll forgive you on this time and don't do it again. And the same person has the same, the next one and the next one, and the next one. And are we to, I mean, where do we stand in saying, okay, we forgive you this time. Don't do it again. Do we, is that, you know, going to be our answer each and every time? Um, I realized that in 2019, there was no opposition for this case. I know it was kind of new in Louisville too, but I just, it's, it seems like we're up against that rules are rules and regulations are regulations, just like we are now with the 600 foot rule. And, you know, it's, it's almost like a come back to the board it's already been done and asking for forgiveness and we deal with that with other structures and situations so seems like the paying uh paying tax and recognizing revenue and going through the correct motions for that um is um it's going to be more obvious if if uh, a person doesn't do that you know, if you don't file your taxes or there's more, there's going to be immediate um, accountability for lack of following those rules as opposed to this one, which is a, a little more obscure, but by the same token, it bears the same responsibility on the part of the, the individual who has the CUP. And yeah, I feel that that's it's the law, it's the process and. If, if I might add a, a tiny bit of commentary on the, on the note of paying taxes. Um, Joe, I don't require exactly when the agreements went into place with uh, Airbnb and VRBO, but it, it was, I want to say late 2019. Does that sound about right? When the sort of automatic. That's when part of the tax structure, I did, it's his word that he's in good standing with the revenue commissioning very well may be we did not verify that but it's not just there's several taxes that have to get paid when you rent a room on airbnb and one of those is the bed tax which we have an agreement with airbnb that they remit those taxes on behalf of the people that use airbnb if you use another platform or rent you know directly you're responsible for remitting um, clearly, Airbnb is not remitting all your uh, revenue, only the, that associated when you use their platform. There's also occupational licensing and taxing that you have to pay to the Revenue Commission. Um, that's in addition to the bed tax. So I, I don't know if if he's in good standing or not. I don't know if it's relevant. The the only thing that I'll note with this particular provision, because I can see that um, we're struggling, is the way staff looks at this one is this was purposely put in in 2019. And it was clearly written that if you failed to do this, that you needed a new CUP. So it didn't slam the door and say that you're done. It just indicated that if you fail to do it, you got to start over. Because remember, these stay on the map. They affect other people from their ability to get short-term rentals. And that's part of the reason why it was put into place. So when we look at whether or not relief 
should be granted. I don't know if it's really a, a call that the board can make based on just testimony. I think you kind of got to find some kind of error in what happened um, to justify why they failed to make a decision. That's just my take on it. Travis can probably give you broader, um, better legal advice. I'm not, I'm just looking at it like a planner. So, I mean, we can look at the individual nature of each case. I don't think it necessarily sets a precedent either. I think that, but keep in mind, we do have over 60 of these that will be docketed over the next few months. So I think consistency is important and understanding that it's not just these four, but I would look to see if there's any mistakes or reasonable issues that happened that led to this, if you're going to decide not to revoke and basically reinstate their conditional use permit. You made a good point. Because of this CUP, if somebody else wanted to do a CUP, they may have been denied because of 600 foot rule. Why is this one did not follow this, the rules? So that, that that's a good point. And, um, and I know there could be some other reasonings that um, could play a part of the reasoning of not um, renewing a new ownership, not being aware of military status, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you, Joe. Um, Madam Chair, I, I, I want to, I guess, <clears throat> speak things out, stuff out right now. And if it's not correct, I want the attorney to tell me so. Of course. If I, if I heard correctly, this was probably the first case after the new regulations came in for, uh, regarding the, these elements, correct? With two two quick caveats. One, so like just said, that first meeting we had a number of cases that applied, you know, the new rules had passed, but there were some applications that the old rule still applied to. So this case though the but it was new, one of the, the first new, this new rule I mean this case though went under the new rule. Am I not correct? Correct. Okay. And if this was the first case under the new rule, I am certain that the Board of Zoning Adjustment explained items K and items L, I think it is. Yeah, K and L. I'm I'm so sure that I, I just cannot believe that we did not, if this was the first case that we ever heard, or the first hearing date that we heard these cases, I'm sure we, and the video would probably prove that we did express to the applicant, do you understand that you've got to register this case within 30 days. Also, do you understand that you're gonna to have to register annually? Because the staff had warned us that we needed to make sure that applicants knew that they had to do that and had to do it, understand it under oath. Am I not correct, Joe? Any testimony that they would have provided would have been under oath at that meeting, yes. But we wanted to make sure that we asked that in in the hearing because we would have it on record. You may not remember, but I do. We certainly had a, a habit for a while of asking folks and you see the conditions and you read them and you understand them. I don't know exactly how long that went on for. Oh, uh, it, it went on forever if I remember now. But, but the minutes are posted on Legistar. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna say that the applicant did not remember but I am going to say that I believe if we looked at the video of the hearing, the applicant would have been asked 
I think regardless, it's part of the procedures when they're applying and and what is expected, even if it wasn't pointed out at the exact meeting, which I'm assuring that it probably was. But regardless, the uh, each each time they come up and they 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 have what's already expected when they're asking for approval. I would suggest maybe that you were probably the very one that would have said that in that meeting. Oh, you <laughs> keeping them abreast of the situation. Well, the other thing I was going to say, and I forgot, if I remember correctly, even when we first started short-term rentals, the staff also went over these requirements in their meetings with the applicant. Am I not correct? Obviously, I can't testify for all staff, um, but yes, they were directed to go through the staff report and through each of the criteria one by one when they met with the applicant. But the particular staff member that handled this case, I believe, was John Crumby. Yes, and, and I, he's I retired can't now. That, yeah, but. I understand that. But I'm I'm going along in my mind with the process of how we started this, and I cannot believe we didn't start out. Yes, we were learning but we were also learning the steps, the process, and what was important. Um, I just can't believe that, I, I'm done. I mean, I'm ready to, to make a motion, but it's up to you all. To sure, I, I, and I think this discussion was important uh, because uh, this is, we don't see revocation hearings, we don't participate in revocation hearings every meeting. Um, however, um, if there are no other comments or discussion. Madam Chair, I just have, Member Vozos, just have one question for staff, because I remember there was a case that came before the board at some point this year with the same theme. Um, basically, they had, you know, failed to pay um, the registration fee, and they came back before the board. Was that for a modified CUP or was that for a new CUP? It, the excuses were similar, the, you know, testimony was similar and whatnot. Was that a different, it was not a revocation hearing, it was more of a in modified CUP or? It was, an, it was an, there were a few of those and it yes. might actually be the next case on today's agenda where they came in for a new CUP. If you read that section, it says that if you fail to meet those requirements, the remedy is a new CUP. CUP. So in that case, um, I mean, there were a couple different cases that had different situations, right. um, but they found out that they weren't inactive and came in for the new CUP, the remedy. It, we still need to revoke those conditional use permits and these, um, items on today's docket are the first revocations of any short-term rentals. So we've told people that they're null and void. We've made people come back in for the new conditional use permit, but we have not had any revocation hearings until today. Anything else? Okay, I think I heard uh, Member Howard say that she was ready to make a motion. Yes, Madam Chair. Regarding case number 18 CUP 1172 for the project name as Snyder short-term rental at 2808 Yorkshire, Yorkshire Boulevard, I move that we revoke the conditional use permit for non-compliance with the listed requirements, uh, I guess I'll point out L for this moment, 
um, which in which was that the um, applicant applicant was to have an active registration for the short term rental as required by the Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances, and that it would be maintained uh, annually. Uh, based on the, the testimony that the applicant gave today, the applicant did not maintain annually and uh, has admitted to not remembering, I guess is a good word, to uh, register annually. And uh, based this on the testimony and evidence we've been provided today. This is Lynn Hart, and I'll second it for the non-compliance of the requirements. And Properly moved and seconded to uh, revoke the CUP. Um, we are ready for a vote. Provozos? No. Horton? Yes. Leanhart? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The CUP has been revoked. Please work with staff on the next steps uh, for compliance. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is 19 CUP 0035. Um, Mr. Haberman. All right, so this one's in a little bit of a different situation. So this might be a, a quicker discussion. So just to be clear on this particular property, there are two conditional use permits. I mean, we're only considering the revocation of the one. Um, the other one will continue to be valid um, and they will continue to be able to do short-term rentals under that more recently issued conditional use permit. So same, same location. Yeah, at 1610 um, okay. Deer Park Avenue. So with this particular one, their conditional use permit was, their initial conditional use permit expired. Um, and I can't recall how we found out about it. I think they came in for a registration on their own and we found that we couldn't issue it. And we worked with them and they came back through the conditional use process and got a brand new conditional use. And so this one is still technically on the books. Um, so it is again, another failure of that new standard or that then new standard L of an active registration for the short-term rental as required by Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances shall be maintained. No short-term rentals may take place unless the registration is active in the name of the host of the current host and property owner. If the registration is not reviewed and lapsed for six months or in the event of a change of ownership and order host, a new registration is not issued within six months from the date of that change. The conditional use permit shall become null and void. In order to recommend short-term rentals, a new conditional use must be granted if required by the Land Development Code. So on this one, the conditional use that we're talking about was issued on September 9th, 2019. They had a, I'm not gonna say the most recent license because they have a current license for their new conditional use, but the one that was valid right before that um, was issued on November 19th, 2020. It would have expired on November 18th, 2021. And when they came in, there had been a six month lapse. So with that, um, I can answer any questions, but again, we're only revoking the, uh, or considering revoking the 2019 CUP. Which does not affect their ability to continue short-term rentals based on the new. Um, they have a current license, the current license and yes. their new CUP carries the same standard and 
hopefully they'll keep it active and we don't have to review that one in the future. Okay. Uh, members, any questions for staff? I'm going to very briefly comment just to, to point out, and I think Joe already did a good job of doing so, but um, just to reiterate, this is a sort of second category of these um, where a lapse occurred, staff considers the original CUP um, null and void, hasn't been formally revoked, but in this case, the applicant you know, came through sometime later in the process, got a new CUP issue. So really this old one, it's on the books for no reason. Uh, I don't believe the applicants here. We don't have a spirit card. They're not in opposition because they've gone through the process, gotten a new CUP. So hopefully these will be the easy ones of these <laughs> uh, and we can move along. Thank you for that clarification. Members, any discussion? We don't have uh, anyone signed up to speak. So um, because of that, I will close the public hearing and we'll go into deliberations. Any discussion on 19 CUP 0035? Oh, I, I guess I have a question. Yes. Uh, has it been explained to the applicant? Well, did you say they won't have to have a, a registration any longer or won't they still have to do annually? So, so they have a brand new CUP under which they are currently registered, so. Yeah, I understand that, but what about annual registration uh, yes they still, they still need to follow the licensing regime as well just their license will refer to their new cup and not this old uh, i know but I, I thought i heard something about they didn't have to register again that's why i want to make sure i didn't hear oh no that. they have to stay registered okay all the conditions of uh, section l still apply okay all right so um of course the proceedings are being recorded there will be uh, video of, of our discussion today and there will be minutes posted on Legistar because the applicant is not here. Yeah, but if it um, clarifies, I have been in email contact with this applicant and we discussed this with them back when they were going through their new CUPs. So they're well aware of what's happening today. Okay. And um, I have an email that to the effect is that they don't have any issue with this revocation so long as their current conditional use permit isn't not that impacted. jeopardy, which it's not. Okay, thank time. you, thank you. All right, uh, any other discussion? There's none, I'm ready for a motion. Uh, Madam Chair, uh, unless somebody else is ready. Madam Chair, regarding uh, 19 CUP 0035 for the uh, conditional use permit revocation hearing regarding 1610 Park Avenue, I move that we uh, not revoke. Is that the correct word? How do I say it? I would still have to revoke? Oh, the original one? Yes. Okay. Okay, I know what I wanted to say about this one. <laughs> I move that we revoke the original CUP that was declared null and void. Uh, and I base this on the testimony and evidence that we've heard today regarding the applicant already having now a current license. Is there a second? Second, Horton. It's been properly moved and seconded to revoke the original CUP for 1610 Deer Park Avenue. We're ready for a vote. Vozos? Yes. Horton? Yes. Leanhart? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The original CUP has been revoked. There is a current CUP in place. Thank you. 
Moving on to 19 CUP 0058, uh, Mr. Haberman. So this conditional use, which is at 2409 Glen Mary, um, was held to the same standard, uh, an act of registration for the short-term rental as required by Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances shall be maintained. No short-term rentals may take place unless the registration is active in the name of the current host and property owner. If the registration is not renewed and lapses for six months or in the event of a change of ownership and or host, a new registration is not issued within six months from the date of the change, the conditional use shall become null and void. In order to recommend short-term rentals, a new conditional use permit must be granted by the Land Development Code. So the subject conditional use was issued on September 23, 2019. And according to our files, um, the last record of an annual registration was on October 24th of 2019, which would have expired on October 23rd of 2020. Um, so they failed to meet the six month requirement in this case. I can state that this one, the staff report was in the file and both in the staff report and in the minutes of approval section L as I read into the record was noted. Thank you. Member Vozos, just want to clarify, did you say they this was passed on September 23rd and they registered for uh, the, on October 24th? According to our records, okay. I mean, they had 30 days um, after okay, conditional so use was issued to apply. So it's not always the next day. Sometimes right. there's okay. a, I'm just, I'm just a little bit of a qualified. gap. Expired on October 23rd, 2020. Okay. There are no other questions for staff. I have a speaker card for Michael Storm and Luann Davis. It, it, will both of you be speaking, Mr. Storm, or just you? Because if both of you. And she's going to back me up. Okay. All right. Let me swear you in. I'm the owner of. Oh, excuse that, me. Yes. She's going to back you up. I'll swear both of you in. Okay. All right. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? I do. Okay. Name and address, please. First, yours, sir. Uh, my name is Samuel Michael Storm, and the address we're talking about today is 2409 Glimmery Avenue, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, 40204. Ms. Davis. Your address, please. Your address. address please. Our, uh, my, we have your address. We need uh, Miss Davis's address. Letting us come speak with you today. Um, my address is 20, 2713 Victor Place. Okay. Thank you so much. This is our home address. Okay. All right. And Mr. Storm, are you going to start? Yeah. Okay. Please proceed with your testimony. Yeah. Um, this is a very similar case to case number one. We're in the same boat. Um, I reiterate everything that uh, Mr. Stivers, I believe, said. I didn't come as prepared as he did. I didn't think, uh, yes, I didn't take this as serious as I should have. Um, I am the owner of the property. My wife is the host. And as you read that paragraph, I noticed it says, 
ownership and or host. Well, we're in it together. I got the email, but I don't check my emails. I apologize for that. And my wife is the one that takes care of all the paperwork. She pays the taxes. Everything's been taken care of except this particular uh, fee for for the what? Renewal. For the renewal, yes. Um, I didn't, we didn't, I don't remember. I do not remember four years ago as far as having required to do it yearly. And, and I apologize for that. But um, I feel like, you know, we're good hosts. Uh, folks come in for like, like case number one said for, for looking for a new home in Louisville, concerts. Um, adopting a baby. Yeah, adopting a baby even. And we feel like uh, we do a good service to the community by providing a place for these folks to stay, you know. It's already it's already uh, furnished. It's got everything you need there. It's like a better than a hotel room. It really is. Um, I um, forgot to turn the timer on. <laughs> Fifteen minutes, right? Um, I'm not going to speak 15 minutes. I don't need to. I don't. I don't feel like if what I'm what I'm what I'd like to say is got at least 60 properties in this situation and we do a service to the community. I feel like they spend more their weekend or week that they stay here way more than we pay for the $100 that we owe you guys. We owe you three or $400 now for not paying the past few years. And I just... Uh, I feel like that's something that needs to be addressed. I mean, we're providing a service for the community and we apologize for not uh, not paying it, but we're willing to pay it. If there's any penalties, we would pay that too. But we would like to uh, keep our uh, conditional use permit. We don't rent short term anymore. It's a hassle. If you've ever had one, you would know to go in there and clean after folks are there just for a day or two. We don't rent a day, uh, one night anymore. We only, a minimum is two days, two nights. And it's a pain in the butt, I'll be honest with you. Um, so I can only, uh, I can only, <laughs> can only uh, reiterate that I, I feel I am in the wrong. We're both in the wrong for not paying the $100 or whatever it was that was required. But uh, I think it ought to be looked at a little more seriously than you've taken into consideration for that first case. It sounded like he 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 did what everything he was supposed to do and uh, he overlooked it or forgot or whatever. In my case, I don't look at my email. And what I was going to say about the host, when we signed this up, we paid for the year. She was supposed to be on, my wife and the host was supposed to be on the email, and she did not get the same email that I got that it was due. So I want to take that, y'all take that into consideration as well. Um, any questions? Uh, no. Well, I don't have any questions. Members, any questions? Could I say something? Yes, of course. 
when COVID came, we had very, very few um, listings. Um, I have a friend who works volunteers for taxes. They always, and that, this is just, this is not to make light of it, but this was a mistake. I don't think we should be penalized so strongly for something that we can remedy and we're willing to remedy. We've not been in violation of anything else. I paid our taxes faithfully every month. It's really hard for short-term people to keep up with everything. And um, I just hope you'll keep that in consideration because it's it's a nice place and we welcome you to come by and look and I hope you'll reconsider some of these 30 cases that are going to be coming before you and unless they're in violation of other things and as far as we know nobody as of a couple weeks ago um, is interested in our property being how many feet apart and um We've not had any complaints. Our neighbors enjoy the people that come in and um, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to make clear that if, if the board does vote to revoke the conditional use permit, it does not mean that you cannot apply for a new CUP. That is an option should you choose to do so. Okay. Uh, Member Vozos, I had a question. Is this the only property you guys manage as Airbnb? Duplex. Okay. And we have long-term renter in the top and a, a professor at U of L rents it for a semester down below. Okay. Do you have other rental properties around town, or is this the only one? Well, I'll take that back. We have uh, my son rents a house that we own. Okay. All right. But it's not. It's not short term, right. it's long term. Right, of course. Thank you. Members, any other questions? I have a question for staff. Is there are there any enforcement cases or any you know complaints registered with this property? Not current. There was before um, they appears before they applied for their initial short term rental. There was a complaint. Presumably because they were doing short-term rentals before oh, okay. they got that, but there's nothing current. No. Is that something you guys want to address? Yeah, could I address that? There was a neighbors about a half a block away within the 900 feet. They had a, um, uh, a situation where behind their alley, the next house, there was a, a short-term rental and they were upset with the owner, the owner lived out of town apparently, and there would be some crazy parties there and it'd get really loud and obnoxious. And um, that's why they wanted to address us. So they came over and, and saw, met both of us at the apartment where, where the first floor was, it's only the first floor is the uh, short-term rental. Um, and uh, we feel like we, uh, you know, answered all their questions. They, we got along okay and they, they agreed. We welcome that. We were very happy to have her come in and reassure her because I meet every person who comes in. I don't, because of the safety for our 
neighbor upstairs and for the community. I like to meet who's going to be there rather than the um, automatic. I don't know. That's to me. Keep it. To me, that's too unsafe. So um, I that person was comfortable with our explanation, and we told her that um, we would be very um, welcoming. Um, welcoming, and if she ever had any questions. So please feel free to let us know. They were they seemed to be happy with that. So it wasn't really a complaint. It was a concern before we even started. Okay. Any other questions for uh, Mr. Storm or Ms. Davis? So just to be clear, the only reason why you're not in compliance is because you forgot. Well, I didn't forget. Like. Case number one, I simply did not look at my email. I do not look at one for two. I'm terrible at that. I have no reason to look at it. I just assumed, I just assumed my wife would get catch all her, her emails. And I, from the way I read this, we're supposed to both get notices, host and landowner. That's the way I'm reading it. You want to clarify that? I would say when owner. One, when one is delinquent with their bills, there's usually some kind of uh, form, and then they let you pay. Uh, I don't really recall. I'm in the healthcare business, and if you're delinquent with your healthcare bill, they'll work with you so that you can pay. It's not an automatic um, denial. They want you to help pay this. So. Well, this is a situation where they didn't audit. We weren't aware that we're in, un, in, not in compliance. It, and the notification, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Haberman would go, definitely would go to the property owner. So the note, I, I don't know in what regard they're talking about the notification. Generally speaking, we do have renewal reminders and it, what we've learned and we're improving it, it's not required by the ordinance. Let me just begin there, but we do want to remind people that their registration needs to be renewed and we do enter in and that notice should be going to the host. The host is ultimately responsible for the registration. They're the applicant. Sometimes those emails aren't getting through. Sometimes the email might have been mistyped by either the host when they entered it or staff when they entered it on behalf of the host. There's a, a, just what could happen with anything. So the reminders would go to the host, not necessarily the property owner, um, if that answers that particular question. But as far as um, to the question about whether or not this is a bill, the way short-term rentals work is a lot of people apply and we never hear from them again. They they get their registration and they, so it's not, and from Metro's perspective, we're, we don't really care one way or another if you decide to renew, it's your choice. So we don't really view it as a bill as much as a reminder, if you wanna to continue to do this, here you go. But um, we're not, looking at it we're not going to bill people we're not going to send them an invoice we're just going to send them a reminder that hey if you want to keep doing this get your new form in 
So that reminder, which is not required by the ordinance, uh, would typically go to the host. If if it, it all functions correctly, it would go to the host of record. The way the ordinance is written is the host takes all responsibility for the short-term rental and the owner entrusts them with that responsibility. So we we don't notify necessarily the owner of anything with the exception of a revocation hearing because that's tied to the land and we notice the owner in that case of in that um, situation it kind of flips but typically the host will receive all the correspondence okay my point is is that there's no requirement for that notification we do have we record the proceedings of the of the meetings, we post the minutes on Legistar, but in terms of of notification to the host, notification to the owner, uh, there, there's no notice of a reminder. But from staff, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we make it clear that this is an annual permit. So at the time we grant it, there is a presumption that we're giving you 12 months notice yes. to reapply. But and we do do that. We make it very clear that. Um, to folks that this is an annual permit, that this isn't your only one you ever need. We do that with conditional use permits because generally you only need one conditional use permit unless you end up in this situation or or another reason to have it revoked. But we let people know that it's annual, but we do understand that some people like to be reminded and we did develop the software to do those reminders. It hasn't always functioned a lot of people sometimes get the emails in their spam sometimes it goes to the wrong email sometimes it doesn't work at all and we're working to correct that because we do think that's a good idea but it's not required by any ordinance or official policy of metro okay thank you members any other questions uh for mr storm or miss davis thank you so much thank you so much for thank you all right, this is the only speaker card that I have related to this case. So at this point, I'll close the public hearing. We'll move into deliberations. Uh, members, any discussion before we uh, proceed with a motion on this case? The only discussion that I have, well, the only comments that I have uh, is that this case is already null and void because it, uh, the last registration was October of 2020. I think this is almost, well, this is the end of October, 2023. So that's three years that there's been no registration. So I, I would be voting to revoke. And then they can always take the opportunity to file for another conditional use permit. Any other discussion? Did you, was that a motion? No, that was, she said discussion and that was my comment. Okay, thank you. Any other comments? Okay, hearing none, I'm ready for a motion. Madam Chair, in regards to 19 CUP 0058, um, I make a motion that we revoke the conditional use permit for non-compliance with the listed requirements for the attached conditions that were presented September the 23rd, 2019. I base that on the um, testimonial that I heard here today. Second, board. 
Okay, it's been uh, properly moved and seconded to revoke uh, the conditional use permit for 2409 Glen Mary Avenue. We're ready for a vote. Bozos? Yes. Horton? Yes. Leanhard? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The conditional use permit has been revoked. Please take the time to work with staff if you're interested in pursuing a new conditional use permit for short-term rentals. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is 19 CUP 0133. Mr. Haberman, number four. Oh, we're ready. All right. So, okay. So, this concerns property at 502 Marengo Drive. So, again, the standard as mentioned with the other cases, but I'll read it in for this record. An act of registration for the short-term rental as required by Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances shall be maintained. No short-term rental shall or may rather take place unless the registration is active and in the name of the current host and property owner. The registration is not reviewed, renewed and lapses for six months or in the event of ownership, a change of ownership and or post, a new registration is not issued within six months from the date of the change, the conditional use shall become null and void. In order to recommence short-term rentals, a new conditional use permit must be granted if required by the Land Development Code. So with this particular conditional use permit, it was issued on November 18th of 2019. Um, the last record we have of a registration being issued was on December 24th of 2019, which meant that it would have expired on December 23rd of 2020. And therefore we find that it has lapsed for more than six months. Okay, any questions for staff? All right. I have a... Speaker card for uh, Graham Horsell. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Horsell. Horsell, thank you. Yes, Graham Horsell. <clears throat> thank you so much. Would you raise your right hand? I'll swear you in. Do you swear the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes. Name and address, please. Graham Horsell, 1506 Ridge Court, Louisville, Kentucky, 40223. Thank you. Please proceed with your testimony. Thank you. Um, firstly, uh, I take all responsibility. I am the host. I am the owner of the home. I live down the street from this home. I have two of these Airbnbs in Middletown. And I guess I'm going to have to ask for clemency and forgiveness. Um, and to mention that when these are revoked, you I, I hope you understand that people move into these periods of time for things like Thanksgiving, it's families who are coming into Louisville to be with family. It's, it's not just, you know, people who want to be in a hotel. Um, and I don't know if you realize that that's who it is. Um, but anyway, in my defense, um, when I received my CUP, I was handheld through the process by John Crumbie, who was very helpful. And he made sure that I registered the property in the 30 days and we, we had all the meetings and we, we followed everything that we had to do. Um, after that point, there is no notice that comes to a host or to the owner. There is no email, there's no mail. Um, and until Mark Pinto let me know the other day that I was um, 
he asked me that question, are you registered? And I said, no. So I, I touched base with Mark Pinter and he said to me, you need to come and, and do this hearing. I said, well, Mark, I have an additional property in Middletown. He, and we took the address and Middletown has different sets of rules. And that one, I just had to pay the fee and register the house. But this one in Middletown falls into the city of Woodland Hills. It's a tiny little city amongst the Middletown area. But I did not realize it is even a separate um, unit. It still comes under the Anchorage and the Middletown Fire District. So if you recall during that time period of 2019, there was a lot of turmoil and all the new CUPs were new and all that, all that, that area. But we fell into that period of COVID. I got this CUP in November of 19. And then after that, I think it was January, February, we went into the COVID period and everything was closed down. No one was answering phones. No one came downtown. And then I think it was May, June, July. Downtown was riots. It was um, not a place that you went to. And I'm all the way out into Middletown where there's, there's different things. I went to the Middletown district, the city, and asked them, they said, well, we have a different set of uh, standards. We don't follow the city of Louisville and we do different, we do things differently there. Um, and so I try to make sure that I file all the right taxes with Middletown, follow their additional rules, their different sets of um, uh, needs that they have and requirements. Um, so I am a super host. I have families uh, living in my properties. Um, I've never had any action against me, fines, issues, nothing ever. I do have the AOL3. I do pay my taxes on a monthly basis. I do have the occupational license the transitional transit room tax. I'm registered with Metro. I pay every 30 days my taxes and I'm proactive. When Mark let me know that there is an issue, I immediately took care of them. I try to be a good human being and I try to do the next right thing. COVID put a hiccup in my whole world. I rented those houses out longer term and I was not aware that I had to do this longer uh, or this annual fee. So the annual fee, it appears, was $100 that you just had to get onto this portal and put in that I'm still doing this and pay a $100 fee by your credit card. I'm not aware of this. However, I am aware of the other rules, the, the OL3, the, the other things, and we follow them to the best of my knowledge. Um, I just hate to see another 60 people and myself come up here, plead the same case that we were not of knowledge and we didn't receive anything from the city or from anyone else. Otherwise, I'm sure we would have filed that on the Accelerate database. It only takes five minutes, but an unawareness of the system. Um, I don't know how it was in November of 19. If someone told me at that time that I had to file something, but it was a crazy time with COVID, with, with everything that was going on. It was sort of the last ditch effort of everybody to, to come together before everyone wore masks. Um, after John Crumbie held my hand through the process, I never heard from anybody else. I do know I've spent thousands of dollars in taxes and supported the city. Um, I know that I have failed to file a paper with the Excella, 
and it's a minor innocent omission. And I ask for leniency and grace, and I ask that uh, I'm able to register this property today and to pay my fee, just as I did with my other one in Middletown. I paid it last week when, as soon as I was told, I do those things because that's the person I am and that's what I have. Thank you. Thank you, members. Uh, any questions for Mr. Horsell? So, so after you registered, hi, sorry. Um, so after you registered initially, that was that was the only registration because because like you said, you weren't weren't really aware of the requirement and et cetera, et cetera. So so you registered sometime in 2019, and then that was the only other that was the only time. Is that correct? So it is correct. I, I registered in, I think it was in November of 19, which is the beginning of the COVID period. And I registered with OL3. I did all my registrations at that time um, and took care of everything I thought was necessary at that time. Okay. And do you have, you have one other Airbnb? Do you have other properties that you manage also, or is this just? I have um, two in Middletown, but one is in the city of Woodland right. Hills that we're talking about today, which is in Middletown, but right. it's a minor. Right, yeah, Hamlet or whatever you call it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, but those are the only properties you manage? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Okay, members, any other questions? I don't believe so, thank you. Thank you. All right. I don't have any other speaker cards related to this case, so I'll close the public hearing. We'll move into deliberation on the revocation hearing for five five oh two Marengo Drive. Members, any discussion? Uh, member, Madam Chair, I think I want the Board of Zoning Adjustment members to understand that we are a quasi-judicial board. And we're not just fooling with uh, statements that are, are not, I mean, with law that is not legal. This, uh, Mr. Harsell, said that, he, that John Crumby walked him through the process. And if John Crumby walked him through the process like I think he did, John Crumby made him aware that he had to add, deal with item L. Um, this property has lapsed for more than six months. And I just, uh, and the uh, active registration for the short-term rental has not been maintained. And for me, I'll, I'll re, for me, the conditional use is null and void. So since it's null and void, being a quasi-judicial board, which is similar to a court, we need to revoke it and he can reply for a new conditional use permit. I'm just wanting you all to understand your, your job. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Horton. Yeah, thank you. Um, I haven't heard any mitigating factors in in any of the cases up to this point, which would should be considered in in a judgment here. Um, most of it is I didn't know or I forgot, and that just doesn't cut much weight for me in a situation like this. If there were some reasoning 
uh, and mitigating factors, you know, we should hear them. Um, but I haven't heard any as yet on any of the cases. Thank you. Any other comments? I, I, I agree with the comments of um, Lula and uh, Mr. Horton. Okay. There's no other discussion. Um, I'm ready for a motion. Uh, Madam Chair. Yes. Uh, Member Ford, I'd like to make a motion regarding case number 19-CP-0133 um, regarding the conditional use for the short-term rental uh, located at 502 Marengo Drive and make, um, make a motion that we um, revoke the CUP based on the testimony we've heard today and the fact that um, the um, annual fee has not been paid uh, since uh, 2019. It expired in 2000, November of 2019, or 2020, I think. There a second? Second, Horton. Been properly moved and seconded to uh, revoke the conditional use permit for uh, 502 Marengo Drive. We're ready for a vote. Bozos? No. Horton? Yes. Leanhart? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? Yes. The CUP has been revoked. Staff will be available to work with you should you decide to pursue a new conditional use permit. Thank you. All right. Uh, last item on the agenda is uh, related to 1201 Hull Street. Um, LIC STA 2301421. Jude Mattingly. Hi. Name and address, please, Jude. Jude Mattingly, Office of Planning at 444 South Fifth Street here in Louisville. Thank you. Please proceed. I believe there's a presentation uh, made. I believe Joel is um, pulling it up now. Although, however, I would like to disclose that I received an email from the applicant, Mr. Mock, on Friday at 4.17 p.m in which he provided uh, some items that he felt as though was evidence of his primary residency. And then I also received a letter on Sunday evening um, that I would categorize as an opposition. Uh, these two items were not included because I was informed that they were submitted later than what we would normally disseminate to the board. But I just wanted to disclose that they exist. I would suggest taking Mr. Mock's um, documentation, but it is several pages, right? I would, yes. if you can't read it all, you might have to have him explain what you're reading as he, and I think he's prepared to do so in his testimony. Um, the email, how long is that? Uh, the email is roughly two paragraphs in length and yeah, it's from an adjoining property owner. Leave it at your discretion whether or not to accept the email, but the documentation, because he's using that to support his residency, I think is important that you accept. If you need time to review it, we can always continue the case or um, take time to look it over. But we've traditionally accepted documentation from anybody up until the wire. And, and he can speak to that. 
during his testimony as a, as I, a I presume he will yes pardon me i assume he will okay okay he's here yeah uh, yeah what i was wondering is will that will there be written documentation provided to us or is that something that mr mott can address in his testimony Okay. All right. Uh, anything else, um, Jude? No, no. Okay. So the request before the board today is a residency hearing concerning a short-term rental. Uh, the director has the ability to request this hearing pursuant to Louisville Metro Land Development Code Section 4.3.23. Next slide, please, Joel. All right, so a case summary, uh, the Office of Planning received a short-term rental registration application on September 22nd of this year. Uh, the application identifies Mr. Hunter Mock as the host. As part of the application, Mr. Mock provided documents supporting his residency at the address, including a copy of his Kentucky-issued driver's license, voter registration, and vehicle registration. Following a review, staff determined that a residency hearing is necessary due to questionable circumstances. Based upon the information in the application, in this staff report, and the testimony and evidence provided at the public hearing, the board must determine if the subject dwelling unit is, in fact, the primary residence of Mr. Mock. Next slide, please. Staff findings. Uh, Mr. Mock's residency was investigated following a complaint received from, by the Office of Planning. This was a zoning enforcement complaint. Mr. Mock has submitted the documentation required as evidence of primary residency. In addition, the dwelling unit must serve as the applicant's main home where they spend most of their time. That's per the ordinance. Mr. Mock has more recent issuance dates on the driver's license, voter registration, and vehicle registration that were submitted with the application this year. Next slide, please. So these are the questions uh, that we feel are needed to be answered today. Uh, first of which, how much time does Mr. Mock spend at the property? Uh, what is the frequency in which the dwelling is rented on a short-term basis? And if there are any blackout dates, uh, what documentation, why does documentation submitted have more recent issuance dates? Why does Mr. Mock not appear on the Airbnb listing as the host? What is the amount of notice uh, you are provided in advance for an upcoming guest stay? And where does Mr. Mock stay when there are guests at the property? And then after uh, that, the board required actions will be to either accept or reject Mr. Mock's uh, statement of primary residency at 1201 Hole Street. Uh, if you determine that it is his primary residency, the registration can be issued. If you do not, it can be denied. There's any questions for Jude? Don't believe so at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I have a speaker card for Melissa Mock. And I, I wasn't certain if I needed to fill one out since I'm the representative okay. for we, the case. We will need one from you, but 
so please make sure that you fill that out and that you get that to the board. Okay, I will. I will. Uh, so I'm Hunter Mock. I live at twelve. I'm Hunter Mock. I live at twelve oh one Hull Street. I'll, I'll swear you in first. You swear okay. that the testimony. Raise your right hands, please. Swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Will you be doing this jointly or Miss Miss Mocker? Okay. All right. So we're going to take testimony first from Mr. Mock, and uh, so you've been sworn in. Give Give me your name and your name and address, please. Uh, Hunter Mock, twelve oh one Hull Street. Okay. All right, please proceed with your testimony. Uh, so as my intro, I think I'll just answer the questions um, that were just proposed that were on the report. Um, so I, not all of them were on the recent question. I can go through those. Um, I've got some written down that were on the staff report that was on the Bose's website. Um, so it seemed like there was a tie to me and 2904 Falmouth Drive which was my former uh, primary residence. I moved there when I was 12, and I moved out of there when I was 21, so I haven't lived there in about two years. Um, so the recent issuance date on my license, I forgot to get the folder. Can I get you guys the folders real quick? I'm sorry. The physical folders. Jude, did you provide the board with the documentation that Mr. Mock submitted? Oh, the additional stuff that came in after the deadline? Can you, or is that what you're providing exactly what you gave Jude? But I emailed him, yes. Okay. The song, that just on me, they haven't seen it yet. So for my ID, um, I had a ID that was issued to me, um, and it had instruction permit on it. And it was not a driver's license. So once I realized that, I realized I had to get a new one. Um, so that's why I got the recent ID. Um, for the voter registration being that day, I could not find my voter registration card. So I went ahead and I, I, I don't have anything with the voter registration in there, but I went ahead and got the voter registration card um, from the Board of Elections office, just because I couldn't find my one from last year. Um, as for the vehicle, um, that's a documentation you all needed. Um, that's a truck that I've had and I've been using for the past two years and I've been meaning to transfer into my name. And it was one of the only documentations I had available to me to uh, prove primary residence before the hearing. Um, so I did that. Um, so the amount of time that I spend at the property, I spend about 75% of my time there. Um, I travel a lot for work. So I'm gone a lot of weekends, especially during the growing season. Um, the frequency and the blackout times, we have blacked out times in the past. Um, you know, it hasn't been an issue, so we haven't really enforced the blackout times. Uh, nobody typically stays during the week, really, at all. Um, and then a lot of times I've got to go to job sites and whatnot on the weekends, um, so it works out perfect. Um, and that's why the documentation has more recent issue dates. Um, why I don't appear at the listing as a host. So a year ago when I went in to fill in my documentation for the original registration, I had worked with Amy Brooks on filling it out because uh, it was new to me. And I gave her the situation where my mom has an Airbnb page. Um, you know, I live there. It's my primary residence. 
who's the host. And she told me that I was the host and my mom was a co-host. So that's why it's on her current Airbnb listing page. Now, as for my duties as a host, I do all the laundry, strip all the beds, uh, monitor the hot tub, its levels, uh, make sure everything's tidy, make sure nothing's broken, um, test through everything that's in the house. So I, I do have an active participation in the house being a rental. Um, amount of notice, typically it's about a month. Um, nobody really stays last second. I, I know when people are coming. Um, and where do I stay when the dwelling is rented short term? So I do go out of town to job sites. So, you know, a lot of times I'll stay at a buddy who lives nearby, you know, typically they're in Cincinnati or Indianapolis or Lexington. Um, and then, you know, there are occasionally times where I'm supposed to go out of town. I don't, and I, I can stay with family and friends in Louisville. Um, Okay. I have a question. So when did you say that you moved away from the fault, fault, foul mount, or however you say it, address? About two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. And you say that you're only at this whole street 75% of the time. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, ma'am. And so... Um, and that during the week, usually nobody's there? No, during the week, I'm there. During the week? During the week, there. like, renters aren't there, I'm there. Okay, so on the weekends, you're not there? I'm, I'm always there Sunday through Thursday. And then, yeah, depending on the renter. Whenever there's not a renter there, I am there. And so does your wife live there as well? Uh, I'm, I'm 23. I'm not married. I'm okay. sorry. All right. Thank you. Member Vozos, just uh, when did you buy the property? I bought it in August of 2022. I think August 14th, maybe. Okay. And when did you start renting it as an Airbnb? So I first listed it on Airbnb on December 14th, 2022, and the first renter came February 14th through 16th of 2023. Members, any other questions for Mr. Mock? Don't believe there are any. Thank you. Thank you. I also have a speaker card for Melissa Mock. Ms. Mock, uh, you wish to speak? Um, just what he said, I, 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 yeah. So do you have any questions for me? Members, any questions for Ms. Mock? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't believe there. Um, well, what, what is your, um, title with the, with, um, the connection with this property? Hi. Um. I am his mother, and I am an Airbnb host. So you're the host of the property? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And where do you live? I live on Falmouth. I'm his mother. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's where he moved away from. 
Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. I just have one more question. Do you manage any other Airbnbs or other rental properties or anything like that? I have mine mm-hmm. um, in Nulu, and then I help Hunter with his. Um, that's it for right the second. Okay. Okay. Question again. Um, right here. I am super host. Um, if you're mentioning about neighbors noticing something, what would that be about? Do you have any idea? Um, the neighbors, um, well, sort of, yes. And, um, I don't understand it because I don't agree and I don't think it's accurate, but, um, I, I'd like to see what they have to say and then I can come back and answer. I don't want to speak for anyone. What what do you understand is their complaint? I really don't. I don't understand. Um, um, we have tried to do everything they've asked us. He wanted us to move the grill. We've moved the grill, um, taken out rocks in between the fence. We've done that. It's just nothing seems to make them happy. And... I don't know what they're going to say next. Okay, thank you. But we tried to be very accommodating. So the neighbor's complaint is basically saying that Hunter doesn't actually resign at the dwelling unit, that it's not his primary. It is his primary. Yes, ma'am. It is his primary residence. Okay, I was just letting you know what what the uh, complaint was. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, I have a speaker card for Lisa Santos. Santos, you're here to speak in opposition, is that correct? I, you're here to speak in support of revocation. Correct. Okay, all right. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Yes. All right, name and address, please. I'm Lisa Santos. I live at 1318 Hull Street. Thank you, please. 40204. Um, I am a chair of the Irish Hill Neighbor Association um, today. Um, I want to say this property is the most complained about STR in the neighborhood by a long shot. Um, I won't address all the other issues with it, but um, uh, a lot of the complaints have come to us or to our council person, um, but the the neighbors have come to us repeatedly to say that um, Mr. Mack does not live there. Um, our mail carrier has come to me and said that Mr. Mack does not live there. Um, I walk by there and drive by there three times a day, so I know um, Mr. Mack's work truck and it is rarely there um and um i think that and the direct neighbors are either here or have written to support that members any questions or for miss santos 
And you said you represented, do you say that you represent the neighborhood association or? Yes, Irish, that's an Irish Hill. Irish Hill, okay, yep. thank you. Yep. I also have a speaker card for Austin Downey. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, thank you. Do raise your right hand. Do you swear the testimony you're about to give today is the truth? Absolutely. Yes. Name and address, please. My name is Austin Downey and I live at 1203 Hull Street. I'm the next door neighbor. I'm about six foot away from this Airbnb. Um, okay, so I'm gonna kind of read this verbatim because I don't do good with public speaking, so I apologize, but this has been an ongoing issue. So we purchased and moved into 1203 Hull Street in May of 2019. Me and my husband prior to our arrival and for the first couple of years 1201 sat vacant and uninhabitable in 2020 it was acquired by ryan brown as a flip opportunity at this time the house was tore down and built in a two-story single family home in august of 2022 the house was sold to eastland properties llc the llc was created 6 17 2022 on august 11th 2022 melissa mack knocked on our front door and introduced herself she was unaccompanied and was meeting with support staff, cleaning crew, maid services. Immediately upon speaking with Melissa, I was informed that she would be listing this house as an Airbnb. She stated that she owns and manages several other properties in Louisville, and we exchanged phone numbers. I met Hunter Mack on August 16th, 2022, when his landscaping company was out working on the property. I introduced myself and even requested a quote for work on my yard. We exchanged numbers at this time. Aside from general repairs and contractors work at 1201 Hull remained uninhabitable by the owners throughout the remainder of 2022. I became aware of a live short term listing on Airbnb in early December of 2022. Due to anticipated zoning requirements and I and several neighbors had anticipated a zoning hearing for short term approval through the conditional use permit process since the owners did not res reside on the property. For some background, we had another property directly across the street. 1204 Hull Street apply for a conditional use permit for a short-term rental property mid-2022. This property was denied because behind us there was a existing Airbnb and because of the 600-foot law that you guys have in place that immediately disqualified 1204 across the street from us. So when they found out about that, my assumption was they pivoted because they wanted to get the Airbnb permit. So they've made everything appear as if Hunter Mack lives there, when in fact it was just a pivot because across the street, 1204 was denied. So our assumption was we would actually have a zoning board, you know, like everything was displayed at 1204 to give the neighborhood an opportunity to, you know, go, go over there and discuss everything or like, you know, any feelings we might have regarding the Airbnb. So when it got denied because there was one behind us, we're like, okay, great. Well, 1201's even closer why would that get approved? And then that's kind of where they started pretending that they lived there. So I'm just gonna keep reading. In December of 2022, guests started staying on the property from December 22 on majority of the weekends and weekdays are booked with no blackout periods. And keep in mind with this Airbnb, even if you were to stay there, it has a three night minimum requirement, which automatically reduces them down to 50% of their stay there, assuming he actually stayed there. So that's just, Keep in mind too, I also have cameras on all aspect points of my house and I'm six, six foot away from this house. So I know what's going on from day to day. I work from home. I literally know who's coming and going all the time. He has never been a full-time resident at this house. He might stay once a night and it's just as a front. 
So I said, I approached Melissa on the morning of January 3rd, 2023, with some concerns about risk and long-term damage to my property, including fence fire risk, because they put, so when I had my home built, all the fence properties, or all the properties, we kind of have like this little courtyard that goes in between the homes that leads to the backyard. I built a fence within like a foot into my property line with the assumption that when people moved in next door, they would build a neighboring fence against ours. That was never done. And I, they kept telling us, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And in fact, instead of building a neighboring fence, they actually built this structure above their existing fence because I was in contact with Alicia Pedro with zoning all the time because the only course of action I had as a neighbor was to call 311, speak to Alicia. Alicia would come out and verify that no one was there. And I had to continue doing that. And it made it extremely hard on me as a neighbor because half the time when people are staying on the weekends, zoning is not operational. So I have no one to contact for someone to actually drop in and check it out to see if the guests are staying there. And they put blackout curtains on the windows. They built the fence up high on the one side. They're doing everything that they can to make sure the city can't see into this home, but there's not a separate entrance. Nobody has ever resided full-time in this house since I've lived in this home for four and a half years. So also, um, uh, just to kind of shine a light in their, um, in authentic, in authenticness, when they listed the property, it was listed as sleep 16. So that immediately was um, illegal because their permit only allowed up to 10 people because it's a three bedroom home with an open living space. So every single bedroom has adult sized king beds in it. It is intended to be a party home. Every weekend, I'm literally miserable because my hot, the hot tub that they pushed up against my fence is only eight foot away from my master bedroom in the back. So I hear people all night long partying. I have two police reports from when there was tons of Coke cans thrown over, or um, beer cans thrown over into my yard, being pong balls, just like everything you could think of with this property. Like I no longer enjoy my weekends because I'm constantly anticipating what's gonna happen next door. And not only that, we only have off street parking majority of the time. Like there's, with my house, it's off street parking only. I don't have the opportunity to park my car off the road. So when all these people come over every weekend and they park six of their vehicles because it's a huge party house, those vehicles remain there the entire time because they're just getting drunk and they're Ubering and they're just riding around. We'll have party buses coming up to the house next door all the time. Like we wanted, we were so excited when this house got renovated because we were hoping that a respectful family would come in and buy this home. And instead it's become a nightmare for me and my husband because every single weekend we're just constantly like, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? I hope our stuff doesn't get tore up. Um, when I asked Melissa to do something with the fence, they did nothing. So I actually paid a contractor to come out and completely make that side of my fence privacy because I wanted to be in my backyard and feel comfortable and not have 15 frat boys next door being idiots. Like I never feel comfortable in my backyard anymore. I'm talking it's literally like if you look at the pictures of the listing, you can also see that there isn't a separate entrance into that property. So it's not like hunters stand on top guests are staying on the bottom. That entire house is open to be rented 24 seven. So it's just, it's blatant fraud and they've gotten away for it for with a year. And this is the first time I've actually been able to stand in front of anybody and voice my concerns. So I have a lot of feelings about it because the process that you have implemented with calling zoning every single time to verify, all I was told by Alicia was keep calling, we'll keep showing up, we'll keep verifying no one's there and nothing came out of it. Eventually, I just got tired of calling because I have a life to live. I own my own business. I took off time today to come here for this. Like, it has been 
just nonstop. So anyways, um, during business hours longer. Okay, so I attempted to escalate the situation to Metro Council for the Irish Hill District. My spouse and I even contemplated moving due to slow resolution and the stress of having experienced non-compliant and uninvested short-term host. We have had to make numerous complaints directly with Airbnb to address an array of issues, including noise ordinance violations, trash thrown into our yard, alcohol thrown from the front of the house, alcohol placed on our vehicles, fence flaps after lack of addressing initial concerns. Our goal is to not prevent operation of a short-term rental. Our goal is to promote neighborhood growth, accountability and respect when a short-term rental owner has no stakes in the day-to-day -day functions or experience of our neighborhood it creates a lack of crucial foundation for communication accommodation and safety we want our home and our community to be inhabited by families that are invested in the community and that care about the well-being of others and neighbors a neighborhood they wish to operate the short-term rental within so if everything was done correctly and they were to went the legal route with it they should have had some kind of thing posted out front just like 1204 did. I'm sure this is in your records where you guys have seen 1204 did this the correct legal way and got denied. So how did 1201 ever get approved for it? Because 1204 was denied across the street and behind us was the existing Airbnb that automatically put them out of the position to even have an opportunity to have an Airbnb because of the 600 foot. So they saw it as an opportunity, a loophole in your system to gain access to this property. I understand they bought it. They probably, it's an investment for them. I don't wanna make anybody miserable. That's not my objective here, but I am miserable every single weekend because of this property. It's not, 1204 was only gonna be a small, maybe like three or four people would rent it out. It wouldn't affect the neighborhood at all. It would have just been like couples coming and going. Next door is intended to be a party house and it impacts the neighborhood drastically. Mr. Downey, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. So our decision will be based on information that we have available to us That's related right. to whether or not Mr. Mock lives on the property. So right. if you've got um, follow on remarks that deal specifically with whether he lives on the property. Correct. Um, so he does not live on the property. I have cameras to support that. I've also provided, told Alicia as well with zoning. And she said, unless it gets further with legal, there's nothing she can do with the camera footage. Um, I also have another neighbor that's not here today. She's a teacher. She sent me an email and she said, if I could speak on her behalf that I could do so, if that's something that's okay with you guys as well. Is it related directly to, um, whether or not Mr. Mock Absolutely. resides at yes. the property? Yes. Okay. Okay. To whom it may concern. My name is Aaron Hargan and I live at 1170 Neon Way in the condominium building that is across from the side of 1201 Hull Street. Neon Way faces Cooper Street. Neon Way is strictly for the condominiums, but it's actually on Cooper Street. 1201 Hull Street is at the direct intersection of Cooper and Hull Street. I would like to provide information as to why I believe that Hunter Mack is not a full-time resident at this house. This is not his main home and is not and is not where he spends most of his time. Mr. Max stays maybe one or two nights a week now, but in the beginning, he never stayed in that house at all for the first year. He didn't start staying there until maybe March or April of 2023, and that is the only one or two nights a week. I have never seen him stay on a Friday or Saturday night and will only occasionally stay a Sunday night if there isn't an Airbnb or VRBR guest there. When he does stay at the house, he gets there about 8 p.m. and is gone by 7.30 when I leave for work. The last night he stayed here was October 25th, 
Um, there was paying guests this weekend and he was not here. His truck is very distinctive. It's large white truck with the maroon letter M on both sides. So his neighbors know when he is coming and going. He has four trash cans and one recycling bin. If he was living there by himself and was there most of the time and only occasionally renting it out to an Airbnb, he would not need this many trash cans and recycling cans for one person. That residence very often has a dozen or more people staying there, hence the need for additional trash cans. If he lived there full time, there would not be an excess out of state cars coming every week and weekend staying in that house. There have been many times where there have been as many as eight cars parking. Um, I believe 1202 Hull Street is a full time business, which to further go off of that, this house was purchased under an LLC and Melissa came to me, she's not the homeowner, to let me know that she would be running this establishment because it was never intended to be used as someone's home. Um, Hunter Mack is not a full-time resident at 1201 Hull Street. That house is a full-time Airbnb VRBO house. That house is already a nuisance with the amount of cars that stay there frequently. The, the night noise, the trash that is often left on porches, the amount of people coming and going every week. Additionally, this is not the primary residence of Mr. Hunter Mack. Okay, members, any questions for Mr. Downey? I have one question, Madam Chair. Yes. Uh, did you, uh, her letter indicate that he has as many as 12 people staying at this house? Correct. And to further support that argument, when this Airbnb was originally listed, it was listed sleep 16. So I took screenshots of that and I did send it to the city. Um, and you guys were aware of that. It was provided to Alicia Pedro. I also was in contact with um, Andrew Owen. And he did verify that it exceeded their permit, it violated their permit because they were advertising sleep 16 when the max capacity for that home is um, I believe 10. So if you also too, so if this home on Airbnb is listed as a four bedroom home, oh, okay. it's actually a three bedroom home because if you look at the original listing, they're utilizing an office space as an additional bedroom that's in the front of the home that is not considered a bedroom. So that's also in violation of the permit. So everything about this from the very start has been fraud and I will stand by that on my heart. I don't, I mean, I'm very emotional with it because I've dealt with it for a year and it just has not gone anywhere. So it took, it takes a lot and it puts me as a neighbor in a very awkward position to do this today, but I care about the neighborhood. I've lived in the neighborhood for five years. People like this just see it as a money opportunity. She owns additional properties. All this is is just cash flow. And it's a aggressive cash flow because it's not just a few people staying here. It's made to be a big, big cash flow, basically. I mean, you guys see it. You can see the listing. You can see that no one actually resides there as a full-time primary resident. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Downey. Thank you. Just um, that Travis might be ready to say what I was going to say. You got the green light first. Uh, maybe. So I, I just wanted to clarify. I think the uh, the statement that Mr. Downey just read into the record was the email that was referenced before this case began. Okay, good. I, I was going to recommend that we allow that in since we did allow some additional uh, evidence from the applicant, but it looks like everything is now in front of us. So we're yes. good on that front. Yes, I agree. Okay. I was going to say something different. So yes, good to hear from me and Travis. Um, so just to be clear, what's before us today, um, he made a number of observations that may be issues in terms of what we call the two strike rule. Um, that's not what's necessarily before the board today. We will look into that. We did send a 
a notice of violation, it looks like in the past for them having over occupancy. It's a little, there's some, just based on how the building code defines bedroom, a traditional, it's not necessarily what was originally intended to be a bedroom. They just need to meet the dimensional and ingress and egress um, requirements. So there are some situations where you can turn something such as a dining room or a basement that wasn't designed to be a bedroom into a bedroom for the purposes of code. Um, we can look into that and we will, but I don't think that the board has to review that today because that obviously will take some inspections and review of the record. What's before the board um, are the are the issues of his residency and he provided the required documentation. So that, but that's only part of the definition. I think you just need to consider the second part is after you provide that required documentation, where does he spend most of his time? Um, I don't think we've heard any documentation or any reference to any documentation showing he has a primary residence elsewhere. Um, you could also normally consider that if there was evidence to that effect, but um, that's what you probably should focus on as you discuss this case. I do have a question, Joe. So when they applied and was approved um, in October 2022, is that correct? Is that when they oh, approved was in October 2022? His initial registration, I noted that down, was issued on October 22nd of 22 and was valid for one year up to 1021. He submitted his registration application um, prior to that expiration and he, we kind of stayed everything and we'll if you decide that this is his primary residence, we'll backdate his registration to that date. Um, but yes, he had one registration issued in October of 2022. And that I don't remember the, the case and I don't know if I was present or not, but I don't think we had at that time. Did he have to approve uh, that he was a resident of that house to bypass the 600 foot rule? So this never came before Boza directly. Um, you might recall this case because there was a fence um, that was installed that was taller than permitted um, and it required a variance review that came before this board. So that's probably why you're you're remembering this property, but had nothing directly to do with the short term rental. Um, he applied for registration and at that time he was required to submit two pieces of documentation supporting that he lived there. And um, if we issued it, he he did so. After it was issued, we received some complaints um, that it wasn't the primary residence, and that's when we started looking into it. And that's why we called for this hearing before reissuing the new registration. Okay, I, I was just curious because the documentations and things that we have now have all just been recently issued and not in 2022, but instead of 2023 saying that he lives there. So it's just curious. And that is, you know, something to consider for calling a residency hearing. I believe he gave his explanations for that. Um, there are reasons why things change. Um, you would have to just kind of listen to what he stated and see if that's valid. Um, 
Okay. I understand. Thank you. Also, testimony from, um, well, email testimony, testimony from Mr. Downey, um, testimony from the Irish Hill Neighborhood Association regarding Mr. Mock's residency as well to be considered by the board in addition to what we have. Okay. All right. Um, Mr. Mock, you have five minutes for rebuttal. Well, I'll just go through some of the statements that were said. Um, and I'll just say, you know, how I feel about it. I, I, I did buy it under a LLC. Uh, Austin's correct in that. Um, if you look in the folder, there's an email and a letter from my banker of May of 2022. Um, to give you some insight, I bought a company through an SBA loan in May of 2022 and then trying to file for a lot of loans, trying to get a bank to accept it. They did some hard credit pulls and I had pretty bad credit. Um, so he sent me the letter and I was denied of trying to buy a house in May of 2022. Um, he is a commercial banker. He recommended that I buy it uh, via use of an LLC um, as me being a guarantor is less than me being directly responsible for the loan. Um, so that's in there. Uh, as for the house doesn't look like somebody lives there, I've got a closet that locks and I've got a closet with a bunch of my clothes. Now when Alicia came, um, she documented everything. Uh, you know, she came to my house saying she was coming about a fence and I said, okay. And then all of a sudden she wanted to come inside. I said, okay. Started taking pictures of my trash can, started taking pictures of my refrigerator, my oven, every room in the house, started taking pictures of my closet. She's like, you know, this is involved with your residency. And I said, okay, that's fine. Take your pictures. That's fine. Um, you know, I'd stay there every week. Uh, I, my hours for work, typically it's seven to six. In the winter, we change our hours from six to four. But I mean, I'm 23, I'll go golf after work and I'll get home around eight maybe. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time there. That is my primary residence. Uh, I have multiple vehicles. I don't just have the white truck. I've got a Nadali, I've got a Passat. I have 23 other vehicles, um, ones that I can actually drive and have driven on any given day. Got about probably five or six. Uh, being a company owner, you know, I got to move around. I got to give my truck to this guy because he's got to go out and do this. I'll take this truck, that sort of thing. So I, I get they recognize the one truck with my last name on it and the M's, but there's a whole bunch of vehicles out there that I do drive on <clears throat> at least a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And then I, I do have receipts from, from DoorDash and then nearby uh, um, restaurants in the area. Uh, just scattered around. I don't DoorDash all the time, uh, kind of gained some weight. So lost 12 pounds in the past two months. That was pretty sweet. Uh, I've been cooking myself and uh, trying to get my macros in order. Um, but I mean, I, I spend there Sunday. I watch Sunday football. You know, granted through the week, I'm busy. I'm working. I'm responsible for 40 different families. I, yeah, yeah 40 employees. I have to go out and go to work. I cannot. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, we have a two-night minimum at the Airbnb, not a three. Um, the 10 people situation, when Alicia came, she addressed it, and I said, oh, my God, I didn't know that. 
I'll have it changed. And it was changed within that night. Um, so, you know, we've been compliant there. Any situation that has arise where maybe we're in a compliance or there's an issue, we try to make our solve the best way. We haven't been trying to avoid anything, haven't been lying to anybody. Um, but if you all have any questions for me. Madam Chair, I have one. Yes. Um, Mr. Mock, where do you keep all these vehicles you're talking about? Because I understand it's only on street parking. Well, I have a shop out in Dixie Highway and then a shop out in Simpsonville. Thank you. Any other questions for Mr. Mock? Not so much a question, just a clarification. If the board uh, finds that you, this is, in fact, your primary residence, just want to make sure that you're aware that should you move, you are obligated to notify um, staff and let them know at that time a CEP would be required. Yeah, to totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. I I'm, I'm assuming that he got his license for the, uh, or his registration for the short-term rental in the past because he was the primary owner and he lived there. That's the reason we didn't see it? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So it was registered in 2022 or September 2022 as an owner-occupied short-term rental. Or sorry, in October 2022. I'm, I'm reading this yeah, timeline that's wrong. That's okay. Um, so at that time he had at least the license that's noted, and then one other proof of residency could have been a you know electric bill or, or whatever. I will note this has since been corrected in the new ordinance. Um, when you prior to the recent update, you could literally buy a property, get all your documentation in order and come in that day and say that this is going to be my primary residency. There was no way for staff to review your past residency to determine if you spent most of your time there. Um, the new ordinance, or the I should say the ordinance update, now requires that you have to at least have had the property for six months so that you can kind of have some time to establish that you actually have lived there, not intend to live there. This clearly began before that change. So I don't know when um, Mr. Mock moved there and it's not really relevant. He could have moved there today that he applied and that would have been completely legal under the ordinance. But staff at that time would have only been looking at his documentation and not his residency hearing. Now we're a year in and that's been questioned and that's why this one's a little bit different is now we have been asked to look at that by the neighbors. Okay, thank you. Any discussion? So we, we've had an opportunity to hear from Mr. Mock, as well as uh, others who have testified um, related to this case. So, uh, Madam Chair, just to clarify, are we closing the public hearing so Mr. Mock can take a seat? Mr. Mock, you may take a seat. Thank you. Yes. She's asking if she can speak. Normally, just one in rebuttal, in it? Unless, oh, you, unless you feel like it's no, it, it, and that's an excellent point. We allow one 
one person to speak in rebuttal. Thank Fine. you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. So if there's no uh, other questions for Mr. Mock, we're going to close the public hearing and move into uh, deliberation. So we're no longer in the public hearing phase. Discussion. This is just for me. I personally don't see enough evidence to, for me to say that this is his primary residence. I, I tend to agree the same direction. <clears throat> I've always, uh, when I was on the planning commission in another place, um, talked about discretion and testimony and so forth. Um, these people are all under oath, and I think I'd like to give a lot of credibility being under oath to both of the uh, testimonies in opposition. I would support that. Anyone else? All right. Member Vozos, Member Leanhardt. Well, I can only look at what I got in front of me that's in black and white. So um, I'm listening to the testimonials that I heard as well, but um, I'm still undetermined on how I feel about this. I'm still doing some reading and looking at the uh, uh, stuff that's been attached and given to me. So I'm, I haven't made up in mind yet how okay. I feel. All right. Uh, yeah, Member Vozos, it's um, I'm right where Miss uh, Linhart is. Um, I'm still I'm still kind of on the fence, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It didn't didn't seem like um, uh, Mr. Mock had any contact with his neighbor. It was only his mother who had the contact. Um, so, um, I don't know. This is this is a challenging um, case. I think it's an unfortunate case because obviously there's a lot of uh, extreme opposition to um, you know what's going on at the house uh, in the, in the area, and that's just unfortunate. It's um, you know I think I think the idea that. Uh, well, I'm going to make an assumption, which I shouldn't, but I'm going to, that um, Metro Council kind of made this ordinance with regard to owner-occupied Airbnbs is that, you know, it was going to make it available to people who wanted to rent it out every once in a while for Derby, for Breeders' Cup, for, you know, one weekend here and there. It wasn't probably intended to be for um, four weekends a month. Again, I'm assuming, I'm inferring. Um, I'm just thinking out loud, I guess, because technically if, if, if they're there 50% of the time, they could rent for the other 50%. And, and we don't have any any record access to record rental records as far as the number of- This board well, is not I mean- Reviews uh, in- uh, We, to that point, I mean, this would be 
Airbnb doesn't share their records with Metro on a property specific basis. Um, he could offer those if that was a question um, to show how often he rents. Um, to my knowledge, that was not in what was provided to you earlier. Um, because in the past with residency hearings, his documentation checks out like he has what's required of the ordinance documentation wise. So what has been suggested in the past that, I mean, if you find that if somebody makes a motion that they don't believe it's his primary residence, that you would explain why and then give him, he would then have an opportunity perhaps to correct that and reapply in the future. But um, that is something that you could ask him if he's willing to provide, but we will not be able to get that unless he provides it or we go to court to obtain that. In the event, we would not get that today. No. Uh, so, okay. All right. But if the board thinks that's a important piece of information, we could request it. It seems like if we had actual rental records, that would, um, I mean, either prove or disprove, you know, the claims for um, three, it being rented for three days at a time, or, I mean, it just seems like that's the logical thing to have is when was this house actually rented and um, how many people and that sort of thing. So members, would that be helpful information for you to have? What would be helpful for me would have been, even though they only purchased the property in 2022, evidence could have been with the water bill, an LG&E bill, something that was substantial with his name and address on it. Um, we're supposed to be making sure that he lives there 75% of the time. I'm not sure that. He may have provided that, um, Member Howard. To be honest, we stopped accepting utility bills as evidence for Airbnb short-term rental cases because the, they're always in the owner's or host's name, um, even on you well, know, know short-term rentals because obviously, unlike a traditional tenant, they're not going to take that up and pay that directly to guests of an Airbnb. So he may have that documentation, but staff wouldn't apply much weight to it. Okay, but I'm trying to figure out in my mind, how am I going to prove that he's at least there? I don't think, I don't even think 50% of the time is sufficient for a primary resident. I think it should be 75% of the time, more than 50% anyway. I don't think it should be equal for renting it out and living there. That's not a primary resident to me. Does Met, does Metro Council give a percentage? So we're there's in, there's in, So where that definition is, I'll use the term inspired by because it's not verbatim. Comes from um, the definition the IRS uses uh, for their purposes. That's where I took that from, and I modified it for our local purpose. Um, neither defines most. I think there. Are, because there's a lot of situations where where you might need flexibility. I think it's your interpretation of what most means. So if that's how you interpret it, that's your right um, to look at it that way, but it's not a fixed percentage. Um, another member could feel that that's 
51%. Another one can feel that's where they spend most of their time compared to all the places they stay. And you're all right. Um, so it's it's basically up to however you want to read that and interpret that. Well, I've been interpreting it not for someone to be having uh, rentals every weekend with different people. And I think that's sad. I think the, the trick with the, from the IRS perspective, right? The IRS has to have everyone having a primary residence. You, you've got to for tax purposes. They didn't know how to tax you. Uh, and so, you know, they look at where you spend most of your time, which makes a lot of sense for folks who say own multiple houses, right? Someone who has a house in the mountains for the summer and Hawaii for the winter, and then also a place in Ohio. Well, where do they spend most of their time? We need to figure out what, what their state of residence is. Um, assuming taking testimony at face value, that um, Mr. Mock, uh, right. So he's got he's got a business that does regional. He mentioned Cincy and Indianapolis, and I think maybe Nashville or something like that. So it's possible that he is frequently on the road, two to four nights a week, and that provides ample opportunity to rent this place out. It's also possible there's no other place he goes home to. Right? Maybe he's staying at hotels or with family when those events happen. And this is the only building he could reasonably call his primary residence from an IRS perspective. Right? Um, now that that is not all explicitly communicated within our ordinance, so um, we aren't necessarily held to that same conclusion. Um, but we may be in a position where, at the same time, if this is not his primary residence and we have no testimony or evidence of any other location being a place where he stays, that he effectively has none for purposes of the short-term rental ordinance, and that seems like a bit of a surprising conclusion as well. We effectively consider him transient so you know and, and maybe he's got a place in simpsonville that he's going down to or, or shepherdsville or whatever the, the the business is located um but i just wanted to give that perspective of what the irs is looking for they want to pin you down somewhere they want to say one place is your primary residence and given all the documentation we don't have anything that points anywhere else if this was an irs determination that's probably where they'd land <laughs> um even if he spends only three days a week there with with work travel and everything else I think where I am is that the applicant hasn't proven to me that he lives there and the opposition with with their eyewitness detailing is equally as strong as the applicant's position, in which case he hasn't proven to me that he lives there. Okay, so going through all the stuff that I've been going through, it looks like he gets a lot of food on Sunday. Um, most of his deliveries that he does get is on Sunday, but it's different times um, in the morning, uh, in the afternoon, um, as far as um, him giving us his delivery orders. Um, there are some here that are Saturdays, so it's a it's a flexible. Most of them are Sundays, and they are all different times of the day. Um, there's a couple Mondays as well. He um, his AT and T records show that that's where he lives. His payroll shows that's where he lives. His credit cards show that that's where he lives. His license shows that he 
did have a license that was, um, as he stated, just a instruction permit. And so he has now changed that to a driver's license, which states that that's where he lives. Um, I leave in the morning before it's daylight. Most of the time I don't get home until it's dark. I guarantee half the people don't even know that I'm there most of the time. Uh, I do park my car in the garage, so there's no cars out in the driveway. Um, so at this point, I would have to say that he has showed enough to, for me that that's where he lives. Okay. Have you heard enough where we're, someone is ready to make a motion? You feel like you need additional information, rental records. If you feel you need more information, you can always continue this case. I'll just note that um, I think you should be clear what you would need from him because um, I don't expect any more testimony. Um, I guess it could we could receive some more if we had a different date. I, I, that's possible, but I'm, I don't know that I would expect any additional testimony either and the uh, the information that I think, should the board agree, that would be helpful would be rental records. Other than that, I am not sure what additional documentation can be provided that would give the board the information they need to make a recommendation. So that leaves us with proceeding with a motion or requesting uh, a continuance to get additional information such as rental records. Do, do we need to determine that he would make those records available? I mean, you could call him back up um, and see if he's willing to provide them because there'd be not much pr procedural sense continuing something for a particular record that he's unwilling to provide. You're just kind of delaying the inevitable at that point. So I think if there are records that you're looking for, um, at your discretion, you might want to reopen the public hearing and hear from him. Looks like they're hold on, they got to reopen the public hearing, Hunter. Then, oh, that's all right. That's all right. Just and uh, just for the the the, the board. Um, Member Howard was asking sort of which of these documents we can tell are actually attributable to the applicant, which could be you know whatever, and 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 the. Um, the DoorDash receipts don't have any sort of don't appear to have any identifiable, you know, client information. Um, I'm sure he could pull up the app and probably I don't think he printed out a bunch of fake DoorDash receipts. I think that's uh, unlikely, but they could be potentially ones that were ordered by residents that he requested copies of or, or what have you. Um, but most of this documentation does have his individual name somewhere on them. Um, I think that I think those are sort of outliers and that they don't they, they do have the address listed, but no 
individual name attributed. So again, if the board wanted clarification on that point, that could probably be provided today. But uh, if we have multiple things that we want clarified, it might be more appropriate to request a continuance and have it sort of done in lump sum. I think unless one of the members has a different opinion that the only other documentation that would be helpful might be rental records. There's something I'm overlooking uh, that might be more of a determinant. Um, you know, I'd like to hear that. Yes. Um, a couple of people do, is it, do you want to hear what the, right. I don't know. Want to reopen it or not? Uh, with regard to uh, rental records, I don't know. I don't know if that would prove anything, if it would prove 51%, you know, of the time it's it's vacant or, or something like that. I I feel like it would be over 50% of the time what, that it would be vacant. What That's I would, my assumption. Again, I'm assuming, which I shouldn't. If I, if staff could have access to that, we would find it helpful but you do have to look at it carefully that even the best airbnb in the world isn't rented 100 percent of the time right, there's always going to be um some dates that are not rented so of course. but if it did show rentals of more than 50 percent of the time that would potentially be enlightening or if it only showed five percent of the time and then he testified that he's not using any other platforms that he gave you all the information for all the platforms because mm -hmm. another just caveat to this in general is there's software that allows people to use multiple platforms to reach the most people so they might be using right. vrbo word of mouth airbnb and other websites but um it certainly wouldn't hurt in this determination but I don't think it'd be a silver bullet one way or the other in what you're deciding. Well, if the um, if the question is re regarding the deliveries, he was able to provide us um, a list of his gasoline purchases from his business that shows that he travels a lot. He could um, in turn provide a credit card statement showing the, that it's his card with all these DoorDash uh, purchases, and then that would show that it is being delivered to him and not his guest. It would show that he's, would that show, would the credit card statement show that where it's delivered to? Well, the, the, the papers it? already show that it's delivered to his address. If you look at it, it shows there's two pages. The first page shows what he ordered, when it was. The second page on the other side shows that it was to the address that he's at. Um, so um, he could always provide his statement showing that on August the 13th, he had a charge for Denny's for $28.09. And that would verify that this charge that was supposedly delivered to his house that he said he was doing too much of causing him to gain weight and lose weight. Okay. And, and for what it's worth, I mean, just if the board goes that direction, I, if credit card records are make the board more comfortable, that's fine. But I, this really does look to me like it's 
a screenshot from his phone from his app. So I think literally one swipe to a page in the left to show that it's his profile and then a list of it. I mean, I, I think I think you could do it a lot quicker than highlighting line items. Well, yeah, and I don't know how that works. You know, I, I, I don't order from DoorDash, so I'm not, you know. That's why I'm here to help. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know, uh, you know, my, my son delivers for DoorDash and I know that, you know, it's all done electronically. So I know that there's some way of saying, yes, these are mine. If that would help some of the other members in question that are questioning it. It's the only reason why I brought it up. Oh. Okay. Mr. Mock, got to be uh, it's got to be information we've not heard before. Well, hold on, they're not getting picked up on the recording. Uh, did you want them to come to the podium and reopen the public hearing? I, I think based on what I'm hearing, yes. I need to re-swear in. No. Um, so I can supply you with all that stuff. Um, also, I forgot I have a minute um, noise monitor at my house that monitors the decibels um, based on the noise outside and on my um, on my patio and it, it, it never goes off on the weekends and we have it set to 70 decibels. There's also a place that their main course of business is running chainsaws chasing after people next door and they've been running that till 10 p.m. every night um, as well as Baxter Jacks. But yeah, I'll, I can release those credit cards. I've got my DoorDash that screenshots from my phone on my app. Um, and then I have a maid that can testify to me to cleaning up after me every week. So are you saying you could provide rental records? Yeah, rental records. Yeah, I, rental records. Yeah, and then if credit card for the DoorDash, it wouldn't technically say Denny's. It would say like DD DoorDash order, but it, it most likely matched the date. Unless sometimes when it's bought on the weekends, it doesn't. It's pending, and then it doesn't go on till Monday. But I'll just have to check that. The amounts will line up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. If it's something that we have not heard before, but we we need to uh, close the public hearing. I would like to just remind everybody that for delivery food services, if you're going off someone living somewhere based on a food delivery service, I can have food delivered to any address without me physically being there. So just keep that in mind. And not only that, I have cameras that go back for years to prove that no one resides at this address full time. Camera footage, you can't negate camera footage. I can pro provide you untethered access to my cameras that will show when Mr. Hunter Mack is coming and going. I think it speaks volumes that his mother is here with him today because she is the host because this property was purchased with the intent to be a full-time Airbnb especially because they already have existing Airbnbs. This was intended to be a business venture to grow their business. It was not for her 20, no 20 year old is gonna live in a $450,000 home on their own and be able to maintain that. I make six figures and I still could not do that on my own. So it has, it just, it's so obvious. And I feel like if you guys allow this to happen, you're allowing everyone to use that loophole to avoid any 600 foot access. And it's honestly speaks on your character if you allow it to pass because 
It's allowing anybody to just get around that by saying, yeah, I live here. I can do whatever I want with this property. When in fact, it was never intended to be somebody's home. And I think at the bottom of you guys' heart, you know that. I would not come out here today. I would not take off to do this. There's several other neighbors that could justify this for me. I could even get a petition together and walk around my entire neighborhood and have everyone sign it to validate that Hunter Mack does not live there. I don't know the first thing about this man. He's lived there, quote unquote, for two years. And I don't know anything about this person. He literally just comes and goes as he pleases. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I just want you guys to really hear me out from the bottom of my heart that a food delivery does not say anything about where I live. I have food delivered to one of my best friend's houses 24 seven. Does that mean I live there? No. And it we're just, taking, we're taking everything that we've heard today. I just, seriously. this decision means it literally impacts my life. And I know it's just another day for you guys at work, but I just really want you guys to be careful with the decision you make today. And, and we do, I can assure you that we will. Thank you very Thank you much. Guys. Okay. All right. The public hearing is closed. All right. Okay, members, uh, is there any additional information that you need in order to make a decision or uh, is the recommendation, is there a recommendation to continue? Ready for a motion. If you are leaning towards a continuance, I'm not suggesting one. I'm just, the next date is next Monday. It looks like we have some room on that and not the records we discussed should be able to be put together by then um, for anybody. Of course, you can make a motion to affirm or reject the residency as well. Members, are you ready to make a motion? What's the date of next Monday? Next. To continue to next Monday, what's the reason for continuing and what would we be looking for that where we wouldn't have to do a complete hearing? You could limit, I mean, obviously he would have to explain the documents, so I don't think that we could, you could ask for the records and just review them without any questions and just, you know, continue in business session. Um, or you could do public hearing and limit it only to that new information, any comments, of, or you could just do a whole new hearing where with no limitations, that's, that's up to whoever makes the motion. I think you could be specific on the record you want and say any testimony will be limited to those items. I think the members who have the concern are the ones who would have to list the items. I don't have any concerns. All right, listening to the discussion, I'm not certain that rental records are going to be that helpful to me, especially if, if um, we talked about um, the Internal Revenue Service and how they define a primary residence, and uh, and it's not, um, you know, it's not very precise on how much time a person needs to spend at a residence. So if we get rental records that show that 
the properties rented 50% of the time, is that is that going to be really helpful to us? Okay. All right. So I'm not hearing anybody come forward with anything else that that could help to make a decision one way or another. Does that mean that you've got all the information you need? If so, ready for a motion. I'd make a, um, Madam Chair, this uh, member Ford regarding case number LIC STA 23 01421 uh, short term rental residency hearing. Um, I make a motion that we um, revoke the uh, or deny the request. Uh, I base this on conversation that we've had, testimony that we've heard, and um, the um, property uh, resident has provided additional information, but um, based on the testimony of um, residents uh, from the neighborhood, as I feel like that this is, um, Still not enough verifiable proof that there the gentleman is residing in the residence full time. There a second. Question could you repeat the motion, please? I doubt I, it. I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't hear whether it was approved or not approved or N not approved. Thank you. Are you gonna uh, just a a second because this, this isn't like a, a real clear approved deny sort of yeah thing. you're not approving the way that we've agreed on the wording and there's some flexibility in this is the application he submitted it's an administrative application you're just making a decision related to his residency so i think the wording that when we worked on this at the last residency hearing was you either affirm or reject his claim of primary residency and travis might have even better language than that but you're no, not approving the if you reject his residency then staff denies the registration per the ordinance and so it sounds like yours was a motion to reject his reject his, residency yes i thought that was the case but wanted to clarify okay second that motion please Burton. all right it's been properly moved and seconded to um to reject the um, claim of residency. Sufficient. All right, so we are ready for a vote. Bozos? No. Horton? Yes. Leanhart? Yes. Ford? Yes. Howard? Yes. Bond? No. A tie. That's not a tie. That's a decision for two um, to find that it's not his primary residency. So his alternatives, I guess, moving forward are to seek the conditional use permit where his residency doesn't matter or um, we've allowed people to try to attempt to correct 
the issues. Um, and but if he does that, we won't issue it. We'll require another residency hearing of the board of zoning adjustment if he can. Okay, so Mr. Mock, you can work with staff on the next steps. Okay. Oh, the public hearing is closed. Thank you. Oh, if there's a question, yes, you can certainly ask staff, Mr. Downey. Okay. Before, All right. Before we close, can I talk a little bit more about the scheduling of additional revocation hearings? Um, yeah. Okay. So, Okay. Um, based on today, we kind of saw how that process will go. I'll, I'll just note that I know we did an audit um, and we were surprised to see 60 um, people fail to meet those timelines. We thought the number would be considerably lower. So we're going to um, establish a better administrative process of going over those periodically so that because before we were basically only finding them when a complaint came in and or if they came in for the application really late, I guess our assumption was um, that very few people would miss those timelines. Now that said, out of the 60 we have remaining, a good number of those will be uncontested. We really don't have a true idea. A lot of them look like ownership changed and the new owner doesn't appear to be active on Airbnb. So they all won't necessarily be um, contested like the three were today, but we really need to get through them. So, um, I'm going to probably schedule some additional ones in December and it will lead to probably an agenda of more cases than we normally see, but I'm going to try to balance those out of ones like that one, which was completely uncontested and uh, basically a two minute case and we'll try to get that balance so don't freak out when you see a higher number of cases but we really do need to get through those um, and have some closure on them um, because they're affecting other people it, Maybe a special meeting uh, might be in order as we, opposed we to and i will say that i do not personally feel a hearing officer is appropriate for a revocation i don't like the burden of having one of you report back what you heard. Yeah. Um, and and I, I wasn't referring to a hearing. Yeah, I think a special, special hearing might today. work, but I guess my preference would be to use, I have to set these out. There's no, the notice requirement in state law is seven days, which my opinion is ridiculous. If I mail something to you in seven days, you might get it with one day real notice and be like, oh, I got to go defend myself at a hearing. So I'm going to go way above that and do 30 days. So I need to start planning for this right now and I'm going to be out of town. So I'm probably going to use the December date, the regular date for the first round. And then we can see where it goes with the subsequent ones and we might need a special hearing. Um, and, and I think that that makes sense. And um, I think the board has really set a standard today in if we're, if we're going to have more of these kinds of things in that we know now that forgetting for four years is just a little too long. And I'll note that not only did council people brought up the six month lapsing during the update and not only did council leave it, they shortened that six months to 30 days. 
they understand what that regulation is. It's black and white in terms of, and people are gonna have to start making technical arguments, I believe, on why they didn't submit. So these ones were a little bit older. Some of the ones we'll be getting to might've only lapsed by a month or two or right. something like that. But at the end of the day, um, they're going to have to explain somehow how they tried. I, Cause I don't think the ordinance is really written where staff or the board have a lot of discretion and just if they have a story, cause they all have a story. The other thing too the is other. when they expire, they're null and void period. And I don't, you know, and, and we're law, we're in the law thing. Now, this is not where with the planning commission. We are quasi-judicial, the planning commission's not. So your, your actions can only be appealed in court. This is not like Metro Council, and I mean, not like the planning commission going to Metro Council, you all got to take your laws into real concern, really understand the law. And I absolutely agree advised. with that. Yeah. I, I think it'd be pretty hard for us to try to deal with somebody who's elapsed for 30 days and you know, on the basis that we approved them after four years. And I think we've set that standard high. Now we can we can work it back down as to and what would be feasible. No, avoid me. What, no, what we've told some other people, what you'll see is if some people come in for the new conditional use, we'll hold the revocation hearing. And let me just explain why, because you might be curious. It's just kind of a, a legality they're still on the 600 foot map until you revoke it. So if you see a few of them, they, they agreed, okay, I will submit the new conditional use, but please don't revoke me until the day of my hearing so that I don't have to make an argument technically for relief to the 600 foot rule. So there will be a couple of them where they decided to submit the new application where you'll see the application then the revocation right after it. But so far, I think we only have a handful of people that have decided to do that. That's all I have. I think most of them, after this, we leave this 2019 era, I mean, year, they're going to realize that they knew better. They just didn't do it. Because I know I, when I was chair, I consistently reminded the applicants. We did. We, we usually always did. And not only that, you know, like the one guy that, well, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, I think so. Try it with your driver's license being pulled over and see if that works. Hey man, I, I, I don't want to, don't want to shake your hand. Can I make a motion to adjourn? COVID last week, but I'm, I'm testing negative.